You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 344 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live deep into the night on this Wednesday evening. The Atlanta Hawks had a very interesting contest in a lot of ways in Detroit. They fell by a final score of 104-98, but if you did not watch this game, you missed a bit of a strange one. The Hawks were actually down by as many as 30, yes, 30 points in the third quarter before making this um, this furious comeback down the stretch. Um, obviously, the Hawks weren't able to pull off the uh, ridiculous part of the comeback when it comes to uh, coming back from 30 points down to win. At the same time, getting back within four in the final minute was impressive enough in some ways, and uh, it was certainly a memorable final game before the All-Star break. So from this point, this point forward, the Hawks now do not play a basketball ball game for quite some time. Uh, the All-Star break will be, of course, arriving, uh, and there will be a little bit of uh, Hawks uh, intrigue over the weekend. Of course, Torian Prince and John Collins will be taking place, uh, sorry, will, will be joining um, the function on Friday evening in the Rising Stars Challenge, so they'll be uh, on the floor in some capacity for that, but aside from that, it'll be a pretty a quiet weekend for the Hawks in Los Angeles, so the next time the Hawks play a game after this one uh, that was on, on Wednesday is going to be next Friday in Indiana the February, on February 23rd. They do not come back at home until Monday, February 26th. So uh, a very, very light uh, portion of the schedule, obviously, as the entire NBA goes on, goes on hiatus for the next week or so. But at any rate, we'll talk about what what transpired in this game, and probably the headliner, honestly, was before the game even took place, and that was uh, the Hawks' decision to sit three of their starting players before this contest. Uh, pretty late in the afternoon, it was announced that uh, that Kent Bazemore, Dennis Schroeder, and Ursula Vesov will be joining Tyler Cavanaugh on the injury report and will be absent from this game. Uh, Bazemore was actually just listed as rest for the Hawks, which we'll talk about here in a second. Dennis Schroeder was uh, listed as out with low back tightness. And uh, as for Ersan Ivisova, he talked about his it was a shoulder strain for Ersan. Um, as for Bazemore, we'll start there. Bazemore has appeared in all 58 games before this particular contest. So the Hawks, of course, with this loss are 18-41. and 41. Uh, he, had, he, had, he had appeared in every single game to this point in time. So I have no beef whatsoever with the Hawks resting him. Um, you know, that's, uh, you, know, uh, you know, Bud Dick sort of mentioned he's a little bit dinged up at the moment. No, no specific injury necessarily, but talked about, you know, maintenance and taking care of his body and all that fun all that fun stuff. And honestly, you know, it's a second game, it's a second game of a, of a back-to-back. Uh, Bays again had played the entire season, so uh, there's no really there's nothing really wrong or inherently tanking about um, sitting Bays more in this game, although obviously the Hawks get worse with him, with him off the court. He's been their best player this year, in my opinion, so that's something to worth uh, noting. As for Schroeder, he was actually listed as on the injury report last Friday against the Cavaliers with that, with that same lower back tightness. And Budenholzer actually said that Des has been battling the the back issue for about seven to ten days here. So it seems, it seems like, a, like a legitimate injury there. And uh, finally, Ilyasova um, has definitely not been out for a while now, but you know has had some injury issues in, in his past. He's one of the older players on the team, so it was not exactly a, a full-blown surprise to see him on the injury report as well. So still, uh, you know, taking three guys out of the lineup, the Hawks were at one point, I believe, seven-and-a-half-point underdog. And by the time this game started, it was 10 or 10 and a half. So uh, a little bit of an impact there. Obviously, if you go into Detroit against a team that's better than you without three of your starting caliber players, no one, no one expects the Hawks to win that particular game. Um, and obviously, through three quarters, as we'll talk about here, uh, there was not a whole lot to be excited about. But that's all that I'd at least leave with that. I'm not sure. You know, people people asking me if this is going to be a trend that the Hawks are going to rest guys a lot. I wouldn't go that far. It seems like a pretty interesting circumstance, given the fact that it's right before the All-Star break on the second night of a back-to-back on the road. I have no, I have no real 
no real beef with that or any any reason to consider this as a trend moving forward. You know, if you get to April and guys are actually banged up, I can see the Hawks certainly be, uh, some you know having some guys being benched down the stretch of the season. But until that actually happens in a more standard situation, I'm not going to assume it's going to happen any anymore. But listen, I mean, if I was the Hawks, I'd be I'd be looking uh, certainly. There's no reason to push anybody that's actually injured at all. Uh, especially your better your better players, um, and some of the teams around the league have already started to get a little bit creative with the way that they're going to be uh, trying to lose games down the stretch. So if I was the Hawks, be, you have every every reason to be careful with guys that are signed beyond the season, and that definitely applies to Schroeder and Baysmore. So just follow that away for the future. Uh, we can move on to the game itself. Um, the first uh, first half of this game, really the entire first uh, three quarters of this game, at least most of the most most of the first three quarters were very ugly for Atlanta. Started early on, the Hawks. Shot um, actually had a 54 uh, a 54 offensive rating in the first quarter. That is not a misprint. That's about as bad as it gets. Uh, the Hawks uh, scored four points in the final 650 of the first quarter. They they shot 27 percent from the floor and one of nine from three in that period. Uh, the the entire first half was just about as ugly as that. Honestly, a 33 percent shooting clip and two of 19 from three in that first half. Uh, as a result of that and some uh, you know not terrible defense, but still when you when you play offense like that, it's kind of hard to be in the game. The Hawks were. And, Honestly, pretty lucky to only be down by 12, though. The early the early portion of the third quarter was probably the worst stretch of the entire game because the defense fell apart. And at one point, as I mentioned before, the Hawks got, got down by 30 points uh, in the third quarter. They did battle back from there in a valiant way. We'll talk about that, of course. But the fact that it actually got to 30 was pretty noteworthy. Um, it got all the way back down to eight points with 251 left in the fourth quarter. And then down the stretch, uh, Detroit sort of inexplicably decided to forget how to play basketball. They were committing terrible fouls with the lead. Um, basically, I made, I made a joke that I made a joke on Twitter that Detroit was point shaving. I'm obviously kidding about that. But in the end, at the end, uh, they certainly did a lot of things wrong. And Stan Gundy could not be pleased with the way that the, that the Pistons executed down the stretch. They, they were they were able to win this game, but uh, uh, this is kind of a bad win for the for the Pistons in a lot of ways. At the same time, they did get the win, so that's worth pointing out. But uh, there were some heroics down the stretch. The Hawks made pretty much every play possible, made a lot of free throws, made a lot of shots in that in the second part, second portion of the third quarter, and of course most of the fourth quarter. As Atlanta ended up outscoring Detroit by a 37 to 22 margin in that fourth quarter, and that was a huge. In the entire second half, the Hawks shot 52% from the floor, and that included a six of six performance from Isaiah Taylor in the second half. So that was huge as well after he had, after he, after he had struggled early on in this game. And uh, defensively, Atlanta held Detroit to 26% shooting in the fourth quarter, which um, was needed, obviously, for the Hawks to get back in this game. But uh, in the end, it still wasn't enough. But you know, they, they should be lauded for the comeback effort. A lot of teams were just rolled over, probably lost by 30 or 40 points, and kind of gotten out there. And Mike Budenholzer seemed, you know, obviously in a loss. Uh, the head coach is never going to be overly pleased, but he seemed actually pretty uh, pretty okay with the way the Hawks responded down the stretch of this game, the way that they actually competed to the end. And there was a lot of guys who uh, played hard, even though they didn't play well for much of this game honestly um you know the, the fact that they were able to not give up and uh, play play hard to the end was admirable in a lot of ways before we get into the uh, player portion of the podcast, as we always do here, I do want to recommend and uh, endorse the entire Lockdown Podcast Network to you guys. Uh, for instance, I'm a fan of the Atlanta Falcons, and I am a regular consumer of the, of the Lockdown Falcons podcast. I, I assume a lot of you are NFL fans or MLB fans. Um, not every single baseball team has a podcast just yet, but that, that's going to be coming in, in the coming months, and NFL is uh, fully fully stocked. There's also a Lockdown NFL show, a Lockdown MLB show, and a Lockdown NBA show. If you like the entire league and want to check out a podcast, 
on a daily basis with that. Um, I really appreciate everybody subscribing and downloading the podcast. As always, please tell your friends, and you should certainly subscribe. Leave positive feedback if you can. If you enjoy the show, please tell us that. You can also reach out to me on Twitter at BT Roland uh, and the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks as well as on Locked on Hawks on Facebook. So please do that today and check out the entire Locked on Podcast Network. Um, to that end, we can get into the uh, player portion of the podcast. We'll start off the bench with the headliner in terms of the actual guys who played in this game. That was Andrew White the third, making his uh, his NBA debut, and White was not shy at all in this contest. He played 17 minutes. He took, he took 11 shots. He took the second most shots on the entire team. He had 15 points uh, to lead the Hawks in scoring off the bench uh, in those 17 minutes. He had he was 6 of 11 from the floor, 3 of 7 from 3. He had two, re- two rebounds, an assist, and a steal, and three personal fouls. Uh, it was actually kind of a weird stretch at the, at, the out, at the outset for Andrew White, who had a, a bad turnover. He actually acknowledged it after the game. Good friend of the program, Grand Chapel, was actually in Detroit, so a lot of this first-hand info comes comes via him, and I really appreciate him weighing in for, and covering that game for Peachtree Hoops for us. Um, regardless, uh, Andrew White was interesting. I, I kind of like his profile. I will be candid and say that I'm not, uh, have, I have had a ton of uh, G League watching in the last couple weeks, but I have, I have gotten to see him play a couple times and actually remember him and some, some scouting of him at the college level. He's one of the rare prospects to actually play three times at three different um, high-level high universities at the college level, including Kansas and Nebraska and Syracuse. Uh, but anyway, he's been he's been in Erie for a while now, and uh, you know, sort of a three and D prospect. He clearly, you know, was ready to shoot. Uh, but Budenholzer was asked about Andrew White before the game, and he actually uh, referenced his shooting as probably the number one characteristic to watch for with uh, White. But he has legitimate legitimate wing size, and defensively gave good good effort. He talked after the game about how um, you know this has been the hardest he's ever worked, and honestly, that's, that makes a lot of sense. You're trying to make the NBA, and you're close to it. Um, but he was thrust into action here. The Hawks had only ten guys available because they had the four guys out with injury and. White stepped up to the challenge. You know, he was plus three in a, in a six-point loss, and in general, I thought he I thought he played quite well here. I'm not sure he's going to be able to sustain that kind of usage that he played in this game. You know, 11 shots in 17 minutes is a lot of shots, but the, none of them were really bad. He, he had one very aggressive one early on, but aside from that, you know, I, I'm, I'm all about him being aggressive, especially, especially in this spot where there were opportunities to be had offensively. You know, Dennis Schroeder, who takes up a lot of usage for the team, was not was not on the floor in this spot, so you had to have somebody shoot, and uh, White was able to do so and willing to do so. You know, obviously, you don't want to evaluate him on one, on a one-game sample, but if he, if, he, if he plays like that, looks like that defensively, and given his tools, he could be an NBA player down the line. Uh, Isaiah Taylor, I mentioned before, had a, had a very strong second half. He was 6 of 9 from the floor, 13 points. He was plus 14, so he was on the floor the entire uh, the entire time the Hawks were getting back in this game in the fourth quarter. It was a lot of Isaiah Taylor. He also finished with 7 assists. I thought he was pretty bad in the first half, honestly, but he actually you know, made a lot of shots. It's not all about shooting, but he did play well and played inspired basketball in that fourth quarter, so that's worth noting for sure. Miles Plumlee returned to the, to the rotation here. Uh, pretty much out of necessity, the Hawks only had 10 guys, and they all played. Um, Plumlee played 14 minutes. He was 2 of 3 from the floor, 4 points, and 2 rebounds. He was okay in begging against the uh, Detroit big men. I thought he was going to play because he almost had to in this spot, and he did, um, but I, I'm still not convinced he's going to be back in rotation once everybody gets healthy. We'll obviously learn, learn more about that you know, in 7 or 8 days here but I think Plumlee is going to be out of rotation for a while now, even though he was thrust into action here. DeAndre Bembry, 15 minutes of action. Didn't play in the fourth quarter much, but six points, six rebounds, three assists. Uh, the Hawks actually ran a uh, ran him at point guard for a little bit as the primary facilitator, which I, 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 liked, I like them trying that. 
especially in this game because you know Bembry that's one of his primary attributes at least as a prospect was the fact that he could he could handle and pass uh, you know it's not been great offensively at all this year he's actually struggled pretty mightily offensively but giving him an opportunity to do that was something that I would certainly endorse in this, in this kind of atmosphere and that uh, he didn't look terrible at doing that defensively had some moments as well so file that away for the future we, we talked about White a second ago and finally Mike Muscala 25 points uh, sorry 25 minutes off the bench to lead the entire bench unit in minutes uh, seven points, seven rebounds for Miscal. He was plus one in, tw- in those 25 minutes, three of eight from the floor. Only one of five from three, though, as he's cooling off just a tad from his you know, obscenely hot shooting since he came back from the injury. Uh, moving on to the starting five in this game, Tyler Dorsey with a start. Um, file that one away because uh, it made all the sense in the world that he'd be uh, starting in this game given the absence of a couple of guys. But uh, you know, Dorsey getting the start is something that's uh, cool to see. Nine points, six assists. Five rebounds, didn't play great here, didn't shoot great here, but still, you know, it wasn't as if he was terrible, but nobody really played well. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where uh, until the fourth quarter, I would have told you the only guy that played above uh, their normal baseline was Andrew White. Everybody else kind of struggled, and that applied to Tyler Dorsey as well. Malcolm Delaney, uh, 11 points, seven assists, three steals, so a decent stat line. Was minus 18. Basically, he was on. The, he was not on the court for the entire uh, the, that entire run in the fourth quarter when the Hawks made the comeback. So that that pretty much uh, explains the plus minus. It was a lot. Of, it was a lot of good. You know, the Hawks were led a plus minus by by Taylor, and they were uh, in the in the basement with with Delaney. So that's kind of that one stretch. But I thought Malcolm was okay here. It wasn't like he was good. I mean, again, nobody no, 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 not a whole lot of uh, good was happening in those first three minutes, uh, first three quarters. Should say, but Taylor, you know, I mean, Taylor was okay. Delaney was okay. They just happened to be Taylor had that hot, had that, they had the uh, hot shooting streak in the fourth quarter, and Delaney did not have that. Uh, Dwayne Dedman didn't play uh, great at all. I, I will say by his standards, recently he's been playing very well, but not really in this game. Eight points, seven rebounds in 25 minutes. He was pretty pretty anonymous. Did a decent job on on, on, on Andre Drummond uh, at, at points uh, defensively, but offensively was kind of a non-factor. Torian Prince, 14 points, uh, finished second on the team in scoring, but did not play well at all. 4-15 from the floor, 0 of 6 from 3. He was 6 of 7 from the free throw line, which is, I guess, a minor bright spot. But this is another game in which Torian was very bad um, for most of the night. Defensively, he was, uh, you know, noticeably noticeably poor. Um, a lot of the Hawks team did not play well defensively at times, but uh, he was really bad most of the way. Uh, I could, I'm struggling to think of a, of a uh, positive uh, possession or two there from uh, Torian. I'm sure they existed, but he, re- he really did not play well in this game. And, uh, you know, recently he's just been struggling so much that, you know, it's going to almost be strange that he's at that Rising Stars game because he's not played well at all. Maybe he'll get some uh, groove back with, with some time off. He has played a lot of minutes this season, so maybe he, maybe he needs the rest. But a not great stretch here from Torian Prince. And finally, John Collins getting the start at power forward alongside Dwayne Devin, 11 points, 10 rebounds, the uh, only double-double um, for the Hawks in this spot. 3 bay from the floor, 0 of 2 from 3, so good to see him at least shooting from 3, even though, he did, even though he didn't make those shots, and 5 of 6 from the free-throw line. I thought Collins, if you're looking for a semi-bright spot, he, uh, aside from White, he probably would have been it. Uh, he, had some good, he had some good moments defensively. I continue to think that he's been much, much better than I ever thought he'd be defensively. Had some good some good verticality moments, held up held, held up reasonably well against the these, against these stacked Detroit front line, and I thought he uh, was pretty darn good. Um, at least at times, you know, there were times where he looked like a rookie, but, uh, you know, him playing a lot of minutes here is, is a very encouraging sign. A lot of Hawks fans have been pointing that out. He, he doesn't play enough for their liking, but 31 minutes here, and I thought Collins was, uh, you know, again, one of the brighter spots for Atlanta. 
Um, still, the takeaway, you know, this is a six-point loss. The end, the, the final numbers don't look awful. A 106 defensive rating, a 100 offensive rating. Uh, offense was a struggle for most of this game, but they got hot late, and that made things look not quite as bad as they would have looked because that, that 53 offensive rating in the first half, uh, in the first quarter, and that, you know, 30, 33% shooting in the first half and two of 19 from three, uh, that's, that's tough to swallow. But the second half, it was four of 14 from three, so that's a little bit better, I suppose. So moving on, as I, as I said before, the Hawks are not in action again in terms of a, of a basketball game until next Friday. We will certainly have podcasts between now and then, although I am going to take the weekend off. So this is going to be the, the final podcast of the week for us, unless something crazy happens or you know something crazy happens in the Rising Stars game, etc. Um, but it, until then... Uh, we'll, we'll sort of wrap that up. If anything, if anything noteworthy happens, we'll wrap that up on Monday because, uh, frankly, I'm not going to break down the Rising Stars game like this Pruder film. If it, if it becomes interesting, then we'll certainly weigh on it on Monday. But uh, we're, we have a couple guests lined up for next week, which is which should be a lot of fun. So please stay tuned to the podcast. I really appreciate you guys' patience. Enjoy the All Star festivities out in LA. I will not be there this year, unfortunately, but I'll be uh, I'm sure watching the, watching everything everything in the same way that you guys will be. So we'll uh, we'll reconvene on Monday. Please stay tuned. Uh, subscribe to the show. Do all that fun stuff, and we. We'll see you next week, so enjoy the break.